everybody was good. You know who it is. It's your favorite cousin from the Bear Naked Truth Podcast. And I am here today with a very special cousin of mine who took time out of her busy schedule to get with us. Y'all make some noise for Maya Shaka. Yay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So first off, congratulations, you know, um, what you've been able to accomplish. And my first question would be, how does it feel to know that you um that you've made history by being the first African American woman referee in the NFL? Wow, it's it's a complete honor. Not only, you know, obviously for my race and my gender, but it really is a complete honor, you know, like for my culture and everything that I represent, you know, it's not just a victory like for women, not just a victory for black women, but I have like young boys that look up to me too. You know, I'm an HBCU grad. So that's another like flag that we planted, you know, that HBCU people. I'm an inner city kid, you know, so that's another thing. (laughs) I'm a hip hop head, you know, I was raised in the Boys and Girls Club. So it's like all the boxes that you can actually check for somebody who is very identifiable for people who have been misrepresented or underrepresented, you know, throughout throughout the history of America. You know, this is just one small victory to let everybody know that, you know, it's possible for them to get here too. Definitely, definitely. Like I said, once again, congratulations. I know when I first found out about it, I was like, wow. I was like, I'm gonna find, I'm gonna, I'm gonna interview her one day. I'm gonna find her. Yeah. <laughs> and it definitely happened. So, um, so when you were growing up, did you see this like as a career path for you to be a referee? I didn't. When I was growing up, I wanted to be the first woman in the NBA, and then okay. I wanted to be on American Gladiators. Okay. Oh, my show. <laughs> yeah. So Amer- American Gladiators, that was fire. So I wanted okay. to be a gladiator. That was like my thing. That's what's up. So what how old were you when you realized like, you know what? Okay, well, we know American Gladiators got canceled. So uh how old were you when you realized like, you know what? Let me try this refereeing thing, see how this goes. So I was in college. I was at Norfolk State. Um I was un, you know, doing my undergrad there. And um one of my 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 work studies, you know, while I was working there, I was uh working at intramurals through student activities. And one of my jobs, I was in charge of assigning officials to do the intramural basketball and flag football games. And I was also a PE major at the time. So I'm all, I'm always thinking, you know, like what are some things that I can do to create multiple streams of income with my degree? You know, knowing that teachers only work seven to two, eight to four, and we get summers off, weekends off. That's the perfect opportunity to pick up a side hustle or like a side mm-hmm. gig to fill in the blanks. And I didn't want to, and I didn't want to coach, you know, coaching would have taken up too much of my time and I was already teaching. So I got a, you know, I got a minor in health fitness and I took a coaching and officiating class and, you know, that just sparked my interest. And then once I started teaching, I started teaching health and PE, another teacher taught me in officiating football. I want to officiate basketball, but he taught me into doing football. And so that that's when that started. So I was really just doing it like as a hobby. You know, I was like, I'm going to do football gotcha. first. I'm going to do football first. And once I master this football thing, because, you know, I don't know anything about football. Once I get good at this, then I'm going to hop in. I'm going to do basketball because that would be naturally cool for me. And I just want to be, you know, when those type of people, I'm a gym rat, you know. Okay. So is basketball still a, is that still an option? Can you do both or is that yeah, like I a can. conflict? Okay. No, nah, I, I can do both. Like I was working women's division one basketball, you know, for at the yeah. time when I was working 
uh, division one football. And I stopped, I didn't work any basketball. I haven't worked basketball since the pandemic because everything pretty much stopped and I got hired in the NFL and I didn't work basketball last year because I want to just focus on the NFL. So um, I will go back, you know, to basketball, if not this season, you know, just doing some high school just to get my feet back wet and then working my way up back to college the following year. So, yeah. So, so possible NBA? Uh, I don't know, man. You know, the NFL, these <laughs> NFL money is pretty nice right now. You know, I'm, I'm make, making a bigger, making a bigger imprint in the NFL. You know, I got competition mm-hmm. with the women in the NBA, you know. Oh, yeah, true. My, true. My, one, of, one of my best friends is actually on the track to become an NBA official. So I want her to have her lane. Okay. okay. Power friends, right? Definitely. So my next question would be game one. Mm-hmm. Step on the field. First time on the national stage. What was that feeling like? Was it like pressure? Were you excited? You know, did you feel, was it a little intimidating to see all those people and, you know, knowing you got to make the right calls at the right time and stuff like that? So the, the environment, that wasn't intimidating. What was intimidating, because this was, this was something that was new. Um, you know, the NFL, they did a press release, like right before my first game. So they put a tweet out to let everybody know, hey, Maya's working this game. And, you know, we're referees are in the business. We're in the business of going, we have to go unnoticed. And that goes, all those rules go out the window when it pertains to me, because I'm going to be noticed. And if you don't notice me, they made sure that you notice me. (laughs) So that that was a lot of pressure that, you know, knowing that people were to not just the people who were in the stadium, but knowing the people who were tuning in, you know, and watching it. And so I was just thinking, please don't let me be somebody's meme. I know the wrong thing, man. If they catch me on the wrong angle, I say the wrong thing, man. Somebody's going to have me on something on Instagram. That's what I was thinking. So I was just, you know, like, let me just calm down and just be cool and go back to my fundamentals and my foundations Mm -hmm. of everything that I learned as a professional to help get me through this game. So I had to, you know, turn off phones, all communication, and my crew who I was with, I mean, they helped me lock into and so the distractions weren't there, but, you know, the, the, the moment was still surreal, you know, being able to actually step out and say, man, I did it. You know, when the game was done, I felt better because I had, I, I felt good about my performance. I was like, man, I got through this. So the jitters were going after that point, right? Yeah. Right. It was yeah good. Good. Okay. Okay. So what about the players reactions? What was that like? I mean, for the most part, the players, you know, a lot of them were very happy to see me out there. A lot of congratulatory moments because, you know, they all have daughters. Well, a lot of them have daughters or younger sisters and, you know, their moms are just so happy to be able, you know, to see somebody like me that's on the field. You know, we're in a league, we, you know, predominantly African-American players, you know, so there's a lot of black women around these black men, you know, and, you know, they're just in support of that. Like, oh, man, there's somebody out there looks like us. And, you know, to have a player that a lot of these people idolize actually come up and tell me that, you know, that's an honor in itself. You know, I'm like, dang, cool. But what (laughs) the greatest compliment is when you actually finish the game Mm -hmm. and like a player or a coach can tell you good job at the end of the game. You know, like they're always going to chew at you and bark at you during the game because they want those calls. I was going to ask you, I was like, did they? Did it stay the same after you gave them that call, though? <laughs> or missed yeah, the they call? <laughs> okay. yeah, they do. They do, because here, here's the thing. They're professionals, mm-hmm. right? They're professionals, and I'm a professional. And I want them to be passionate about the game. And you have to understand, 
you know, well, first of all, I don't miss many calls. I'm just gonna put it out there. Let me okay, stop okay. being arrogant. Okay. Let me stop, <laughs> let me stop being arrogant because my day, my day might come, but I don't miss many. And then when I do, you know, I own it. I'm like, hey, you know, you're probably right. I might have missed that. Or you, you know, I'll go back and I take a look at film. Like you always want to acknowledge when you're at fault. They don't want you to continue to justify when you're wrong. But I, I also think that's just a common way of life. You know, when you make a mistake or you you have a hiccup here and there, don't just try to keep covering up. That makes it worse. People hate that. When you can admit that you're imperfect, it's, they're more willing to accept that. And then you learn from that and you go on to the next play and you make sure that you're in the right position or you have better judgment on that next play. And that's all they want. And so, um, and so what is it like when you, uh, when you see the response from like the younger girls who may come up to you after the speech or, you know, they see you out and they recognize you. Like, I know that has to be a, an amazing feeling. I'm sure it's a lot of smiles, and, you know, good wishes and things like that. So what is that feeling like? Yeah, that's, that's very humbling. And then a lot of times it is like, if I'm doing like a speaking engagement, you know, they get to know me as the person and not necessarily like as the referee and, you know, like a lot of things I talk about, you know, about the self-confidence and trying to build up young ladies and the importance of community involvement and the importance of listening to your parents and like all this stuff that makes you a good human, they get to see that side. And then sometimes just the whole thing about being official just kind of sort of goes out the window and they become enamored by the human and not necessarily by the accomplishment. And that's when I'm humbled the most and honored the most when they like you for who you are as an individual yeah. and not because you have a label. So, I mean, it's, it's very humbling. It's very honoring. So, now I got to ask, mm-hmm. so when older guys meet you, do they, are they intimidated when they, when they talk football around you? Cause they know you probably got a better grasp on the game than they do. So they may be a little, like, what is that? What is that interaction like? I think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times they try to talk football with me to flirt. So, <laughs> But I don't, I don't think it's football that intimidates them. I'm just an intimidating person for what that's people think they're, I'm intimidating for whatever it is. I don't know, maybe because I'm cute or whatever, maybe because I'm smart, you know? <laughs> so they think I'm like this person and I'm not, I'm like really like the coolest, most humble down to earth, like homegirl next door. Let's go get a slice of pizza type chick. Sure. You know, that's, that's the type of person I am, but in terms of intimidation, you know, if somebody does try to feel nervous, I try to do my best, you know, to make those people comforting. Um, Cause I like trash talking and I'm very, I'm very good at it. And oh, <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think guys respect women and, you know, mm-hmm. actually enjoy a woman who can go toe to toe with them. Anybody who's a real sports fanatic anyways, yeah, they love That's it when a woman can go toe to toe. Yeah, they like that. So I don't think intimidated. Okay, okay. Well, that's what's up. So, um, you know, I was doing some research and I was trying to find out as much as I could online. They ain't give me much, you know. <laughs> so I was I was digging, I was digging. So um, so do you have any like children, nieces and nephews, anything? And you know, what is what is their response or reaction to what you so, do yeah. now also? I, I've never given birth, so I don't have any children I've given birth to. And, you know, teaching for 15 years, that's kind of like birth control. You start to see all these kids running around yeah. like, yeah, I want to be a parent. <laughs> um, no, nah, but I have I have a nephew that lives in New York. He is, ooh, he's 11. So this is my brother's son. And he's, he's probably the most excited about it because he just knows me for who I am. And then all of a sudden the whole world knows me. And by him having my last name, 
we had the same initials. We looked very similar. So when he goes to school, they were like, hey, are you related to her? And he was like, who is, are you like, yes, my aunt, uh So he, he'll FaceTime me and I'm like, hey, how you doing? And they'll go, they'll go crazy. But he's excited because he's like, well, now when I go to school for Black History Month, I got somebody to talk about, you know, I, I can talk about. It. So he's, he's great for that. And then I have some cousins that are like my children, they're my, like kind of like my godchildren, but they're my cousins and they live in Texas. And, you know, they're excited for that, but you know, they don't care that, you know, like, which is really what I want. That's cousin. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they don't care that I broke it. They, they care about the way I still, about the way that I treat them and about how I am, you know, mm-hmm. as a human. Um, the little one, she's a young, a young girl. She'll be seven, seven in July. And she gets excited about it. Like, so I gave her a whistle and she wore a whistle around her neck to school and was blowing the whistle. <laughs> in school she came down to watch you know the texans game i gave her a little whistle she's blowing all the blow like too short blow the whistle really doing that (laughs) but not knowing not really knowing the the real meaning behind the too short song yeah she just knows it blow the whistle and so Mm -hmm. she's cool like that which is so bad that's dope man (laughs) but it's good too that you know that you have them around you still like regardless of everyone see you they still see auntie they still see you know cousins so it's not like you don't have to worry about them uh putting on a i guess like a facade or being fake when they see you You know it's genuine you know what I mean? absolutely Especially from the kids That's absolutely cool. all right so outside of football what do you like to do to relax and have fun i know you mentioned earlier you was a hip-hop head so i wish i'd have known that before i would have gave you some i'd have got some questions for that but you know but yeah outside of football though, what do you like to do just to have fun relax you know just to separate yourself from work, basically. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm down for whatever, you know? So it's like, whatever the move is for today, I don't really turn anything down. Like, you know, cause I, I don't want to say this is what I do like to relax. I'm just very open-minded, like a, a free spirit, you know? So whatever somebody's doing for that day, if it's something that's not going to jeopardize my health, my safety or my freedom, I'm game, you know? Uh, but I, I really do... I really, you know, you heard me talking about my my nephew and my cousins, like, you know, one lives in New York, the rest live in Texas, I live in Virginia. So we're all over the world. And when I can, I like to hop on planes and be present for them when I can. If I have like a weekend that's off, I like to go spend time with them and watch them play their sports, their football, their baseball, you know, their basketball games. I love being a part of their lives. Um, love having family cookouts with them. I mean, they're they're essential to me. You know, sometimes I even hop on the Xbox, you know, and, you know, with, with my nephew who's 11, I got a cousin in Texas who's 12, you know, I get the two of them to play with each other. I hop on the sticks and I play with them. I'm trash, but I play with them, you know, just to be, <laughs> you know, just, just to have that relationship, you know, to yeah, throw the headset definitely. on and, and, and to hang with them, you know, to be able to bridge that gap. That's how I really like to spend my quality time. So definitely down to earth yeah. and just, you know, just whatever's fun. Yeah. Definitely, I definitely that there. So, um, with that, since you say you trash, what's your, what's your Xbox game? What's your go-to game? 2K. All 2K. I play is 2K. Yeah, I play 2K. They try to get me to play Fortnite. There's too many colors and too much, too many yeah. like options involved. I just, yeah. I just think it's stay simple, either 2K or Madden, because those are two games that haven't changed from as long as I've known. 
See, you sound like me. See, I stopped playing Madden, but definitely the uh, 2K. Yeah. My son be like, you want to go online and talk to the people? I'm like, no, I'm going to just play. I'm not that into it. I just like to play me and take my little creative player. We play our season and that's that. (laughs) Yeah, that's all all I do. I play, and that's the only time I play is I play with them. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. They, ju- so, they juice my players up and everything for me. They'll log in as me and like <laughs> get me all my VCs or whatever it is. And they'll, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't have the time to grind them out like that. So they grind yeah. out my players. So when they ready to run, they say, we got a player for you. Go ahead and log in. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Girl. That's what's up, man. That's love. Yeah. That's, that's definitely dope. So like, um, I know you mentioned you were, uh, you did, you were a physical education teacher also. You still yeah, I was. can do that. Okay, so that's well, I did, you go I, back and visit. I, so I just I just recently resigned, like last month. That's been like uh-huh. thirty, exactly thirty days <laughs> from today. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy. So um, I don't, I haven't been back yet, just because you know I, I really the reason why I resigned, I just had too much going on, you know, between like working and traveling and the football. Like I was working like 80, 90 hours a week and you know, seven days a week, no days off. Like, and it was just very stressful and I needed a break. And so I just had to pull the plug on that because I like, I was sleep deprived and, you know, I just wasn't taking, having that time to take care of myself for self-care. And so, yeah, so. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, what, what consists like, because a lot of us, you know, we see the refs, we know the players, you know, they, you know, they work, train constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, so what is it like for the ref, like a, a work week during during the season? You know what I mean? Outside of the traveling also. Yeah, so I mean, mo- most of us, most football officials, we all have other jobs. You know, um, I taught for years. We have people who are doctors and lawyers, people who own their own practices, other entrepreneurs. Like, we all have another career. And so it's real tough. Like, after you work a game on a Sunday, there's paperwork to do, you know, before Monday at noon that it's due but you have to get that done at the airport when you're on your way home from the game and then still be on time for work on a Monday, have a full work day on a Monday, and then be prepared to watch your game film and to analyze your film, break down your film, respond to your film, respond to coaches' questions, supervisors' questions. All that goes on between Sunday and Wednesday. Your grades come out and how you're graded on your film by Wednesday. You have to respond to that stuff and take a look at, you know, those grades and create a plan for yourself to have a better game or, you know, your own plan of action. You know, like so if you received any demerit points for anything, you have to really realize, okay, what I'm going to do next time to avoid these demerit points, you know, Um, and then you have to look at the games for the for the teams that you're getting ready to you're getting ready to work the following weekend or the upcoming weekend. You want to watch their game film like by like Friday. So that gives you like Thursday, Friday to really break that down. You know, use one day to break down the home team, one day to break break down the away team. And what we're looking at is we look for trends in specific areas that we might call. So like I'm on the line of scrimmage. So I may look at the way that the tackle or the pulling guards, how they block on run plays or, you know, like offense. I'm looking for offensive pass interference, like on those screens. Are they blocking early? You know, how far they release, even like push-offs, like do which receivers do I watch most frequently? Where do they have the tendency to push off at? Or where do these DBs have the tendency to foul? So those are all things we're doing to prepare ourselves to work a game to make sure we're giving them the full service. Wow. So y'all go, wow. Yeah, we're, so y'all we're almost prepared. like 
almost like coaches out there, like you know, watching. Absolutely. The, we're going. We're you're 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 going to spend at least three hours a day to be really good, and to be able to maintain your career level, you have to spend at least three hours a day on yourself with this craft, and that doesn't even include, you know, you working out. You know, that doesn't include your meditation or whatever you need to do to get your head right, because you have to be mentally prepared more than physically prepared to last through this stuff because it's very taxing. Um, you also have to make sure. I just lost my train of thought right there. Now it's not meant so, so zoned out. But anyways, it's just it's hard. It's hard. It's a lot of work. It's more work than what people think it is. They think we just show up on a Sunday and. We just make these calls. This that's not the truth. Wow, yeah. Heaven forbid we that. have tra- we have travel delays or something happens. That's even worse. So yeah, definitely, definitely was more than what I what I was thinking it was. Cause I'm like, okay, man, they just show up, you know, like you said, show up to the game, maybe meet that Friday or something, you know, go over the game plan, how y'all gonna do it and then just go. So it's definitely wow, that's a job. Uh, we, on top we, of a we job. have we we have to create these habits. So that everything has become second nature. You know, like I'm pretty sure everybody has these habits they create, like in their workplace, that they can do things in their sleep. But we got to be able to move and do these things in our sleep because we got to be able to make decisions and make rulings um, quick on the field. You know, everything has to come quick and at the drop of a dime. So, oh, we take weekly tests too. We got quizzes that we have to do throughout the week. Wow. Each week, okay. each week we got to answer, we got to answer a 10 question quiz and we got to have it done by a certain time. And those rules quizzes, they're not easy. They're difficult. So there we go. We got tests to do during the week too. Right. So I can imagine that and like the adjustments that have to be made for like, if they do a, a, a rule change, you know, um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think they all come out at the beginning of the season, but it may be something like with dances after a touchdown. It's like, okay, how much is excessive? You know, where do you call it at and stuff like that? So it's definitely a, a huge workload for you guys. Yeah, so yeah, that, that actually actually comes out. We get like weekly training tapes. So you get a quiz and a training tape that comes out and you got to watch a training tape. And normally what's on the training tape will probably be like those controversial calls that you see like on Sports Center or something. And they'll just address it to us and tell us how they want us to handle things. And so, yeah, that is a part of it too. So, you know. I'll tell you, it's one controversial call that sit in my mind. I know you won't be. Nope, we're not going to talk about it. So let's move on to the next. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I ain't going to go there. All right. Just know I'm a Cowboy fan. Just That's all I'm going to say. Sorry for that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Cowboys fans are like Beyonce fans, man. Y'all like y'all just like that. Y'all we go can't be a little bit. We can't See? be a little bit. You know, y'all just I mean, like y'all like the passionate. beehives and the barbs. Yeah. Y'all, y'all, yeah. fan, y'all, all y'all fans are the same. See, I'll, I'll say I'm not a delusional one though. Like I don't look at it like, oh, this is our year. I'm like, you know, just I just I'm like, look, mm-hmm. can we just get past round one? Can we <laughs> pass round one, and I'm good. You know, so <laughs> all right. And so um, I also. You know, Google's my friend, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Understood that you uh that you were ref you were referee in a Pac-12 XFL mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference in like the levels of what's needed to be known for like the Pac-12 the XFL? You know, you already broke down the NFL, so you ain't got to give us that one again. But what's the difference between like so the the, the difference is so the Pac-12 is probably better football 
than the XFL and their seasons longer. So our XFL season was very short because of COVID. So we only had five games, but it was actually a really good season. And the cool thing about the XFL is it was like a hybrid. It wasn't all the way professional rules. There was like a hybrid of the pro rules. Mm -hmm. So it kind of prepares you a little bit, you know, to bridge that gap between learning how to work NFL and learning how to work college. Um, but the difference in the football, you know, Pac-12's football is very fast and it's a passing league. XFL wasn't as fast as the Pac-12. And you get to the NFL where everybody's fast. You know, you got pulling guards that run just as fast as the running backs in college, which is like insane. And they like 350 <laughs> running mm -hmm. like this. And so everybody, everybody's fast, you know, everybody's running a four, four, you know, mm -hmm. and everybody's big, like these guys are bigger, faster, stronger. So that's the biggest adjustment is just like the speed of the game. And then the NFL season is long. You know, we go from July to January, July is when training camp starts. And then we're on the field just like that all the way up until, you know, last year was it January 9th, January 18th, something like that was like the last game. And that's a long season where you have like college football, Pac-12 went from, you know, like Labor Day weekend until Thanksgiving. You know, that's a small window. And where I'm used to being done during Thanksgiving time, Thanksgiving, only a 30-year season is done in the NFL. The season is just starting, you know, Thanksgiving, because now you're starting to see the separation of who's a legitimate Super Bowl contender, who's a who's the wild card beast you know like so that's when yeah. the season is really starting to start you know mm -hmm. injuries happen and then a whole team's course takes takes a different change of action so that's just the, the difference is really like the length and the speed okay that's what's up so it's like uh so do you think that uh you'll be doing a thanksgiving game maybe i don't know i hope not well now let me not say that <laughs> <laughs> So okay. it's like, I, you know, I, I, I don't have any, I don't have any control over that stuff. All I, all I hope is that I get assignments. You know, I just want them to give me games. That's all I want. I can't, I don't want to pick and choose because at the end of the day, you know, you paid off of based off of your years of experience, not what specific game you work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can give me whatever you want. Give me, just keep giving them to me. <laughs> No, that's right. So what was it like when you got that call? Like, did you have to, um, well, let me, let me ask, going to the NFL, did you, mm -hmm. you know, were you recruited or was this a thing where it had to be like a whole hiring process where you applied to be mm -hmm. a ref, stuff like that? Or did you just get the call? Like, Hey, look, we ready for you. Come on up. You know, you just... nah, so the way, the way that happened was like, you, I started out working like Pop Warner in high school, and then I went to like a clinic to become a college official, and I was trying to work D2 and D3, but a Division One supervisor saw me. He took an interest in me because I was the only woman and the only Black person in the whole room, and, and it was like 125 people, and he saw that I looked different, and he saw the way that everybody else treated me, and so he hired me to work Division One football like right, like off the rip. And he knew I wasn't qualified to do it, but he felt that he had to protect me from the evils. You know, that's the best way to put it. Cause he says I would have been discouraged. And this was an older white male, you know, and he took a chance on somebody like me, which I'm very appreciative. And so him, he was actually a NFL referee for like 27 years and he'd worked many Super Bowls and he just took a liking to me. And he trained me and taught me everything that he knew about being a college football official and started preparing me for the NFL. And he's the one that told the NFL to start looking at me. And so to get to the NFL level, you have to already be working like in, you know, a notable college conference. 
um, have the backing, like from your supervisor or from the people that you're working with. And then they come and they scout you. And if they scout you, they can either say, hey, I like her or yeah, no, I don't like her. I was happy enough that they liked me and they brought me into a development program in 2014. And that's where I was able to get exposure to NFL rules, get exposure to the NFL culture, what their corporation was really about, trying to figure out if I was going to be a good fit or not. Um, I was able to go to training camps, mini camps, you know, just a little bit. I pretty much did everything, worked preseason games. I did everything but work regular season games because we're not allowed to work regular season games. So I did that for seven years, you know, so it's just like going to college, but instead of studying to be what, uh, I don't know, a math teacher or something like that, I was studying to be a professional football referee, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a lot of work on on every level it looks like to, you know, to definitely maintain that and stay, you know, ahead of the game. So, so that's dope, man. So, all right. So I got uh, just two more questions for you here. So I was looking at your IG. Yeah. You know, I told you I, I, I tried to do my research. Now I'm nosy. Yeah. And I noticed, you know, every time I see, you, I was like, okay, every every picture, fly. Got the jeans on, got the nights on, you know, dress nice. So is fashion something that you definitely uh take pride in, or is it a passion? And what would be nah. a staple for your wardrobe? I'm re- I'm really not that. I really don't think I'm that fashionable, which is crazy. Like I don't try. I, I don't know. I I. Everybody else thinks I am because I guess it's a little different. It's like a little tomboy sheet. You can't really like put it like into like a category. I really just wake up and put something on. Like there's a picture on my, like on my IG page. I got like some all white and like the purple and gold J's. I wore that to the master's tournament. Like I'm in Augusta where everybody is wearing like, you know, like <laughs> what uh, they wear down there, like chinos and the women in heels. Yeah. I'm like, I ain't wearing this. <laughs> to pull up pull up in the all white the gold hoops you know what i mean some jays and then i got the most compliments because i didn't look like anybody else yeah. you know because i just i just really just wear what's going to make me comfortable i might throw heels on one day but in terms of staples you always got to have some crispy kicks you gotta keep your kicks fresh you know i'm a sneakerhead. i'm a fan of the jordan ones the jordan sixes and the fours so the one sixes and fours are my favorites you know the classic silhouettes you got to keep them crispy with a colorway I'm a fan of a good blazer. Got to have a blazer, whether it's black or white, something that's, you know, just nice and structured. I'm a fan of camo. And that's it. So, yeah, if you if you got a black blazer, camo, anything. And I I like designer scarves. So camo, some fresh J's, nice shoes. You can put anything on you want to put on. So just going to know how to mix and match it. My band and bamboo earrings. And I'm good. So I got to ask you now. Speaking of being uh, a sneakerhead, mm. have, you heard, have you heard about the StockX and Nike ordeal? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I, 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 it hurt my heart. I haven't bought anything for StockX, but it definitely hurt my heart to know they were selling fake shoes back to Nike. It's like, uh, come on. <laughs> that, don't, that don't hurt my heart, man. Let me tell you this, man. I worked in Foot Locker and Champs for like, when I was in college, I worked there for like 10 years before I became like a teacher. That's what I did was sell shoes and it was like i'm not buying like i know what an authorized retailer is so it's like everybody who's doing all these reselling stuff like that and i didn't seem like fake stuff like i do not trust resellers at all and so it's like if i can't get my some my shoes from an authorized retailer i'm not paying these astronomical prices of course i luck out because i got little feet i wear six and kids so but yeah got a small small foot like that i'd be i'd be mad because the shoes i like 
she could get and it looked nice of her size, but for me wearing the 12, we'd be like, oh man, this 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 just ain't coming. <laughs> you know, throw so, the whole shoe away. Yeah. And see, I know um when I when I looked at like stock X and GOAT and stuff like that, you know, certain shoes I wanted. Um, you know, I would like them. And like I said, I wear 12. I go look at my size and they want three hundred dollars just because it's a 12. It's like, but you only want 150 for the eight. I mean, I just you know. But you know, you know what's crazy though, and I'm not even trying to promote this, but like the websites that actually sell like the replica kicks, I'm like, if you want these kicks so bad, just go buy the replicas, and then you like they look just like them. You know, paying you know three times the price for some replicas, and you paying three times the price for these resale shoes, and you don't even know if they fake or not. You can at least get these replicas, and you'll be all right. Like I'll be okay, dog. If yeah. I spent like if I spent like. $80, like $100, like on some replica mm -hmm. kicks, and I got them, and they look just like the stuff that they selling, I'll be okay. But then spending like 400 and then getting them and then realizing there's a possibility these might be fake, like, oh, man, I'm not with that. I wouldn't so. even wear them. If they cost that much, I'd, I'd be scared to wear them. I'd be like, somebody stuff on them, you get that scuff, and it's like, what's the shoe? I'm going to wear mine. You tripping. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not, I'll be honest, I'm just not gonna spend the full. I'll be like, you know what, it's, it's not meant for me to have. <laughs> so um all right, so the last question I have for you is I would like you to tell us about the um the MMC, make a meaningful change. Yeah, so <clears throat> so make meaningful change, that's my nonprofit. I've always had it like in the back of my mind, like even while I was teaching, I always developed clubs when I was at school, things that were going to get kids involved and get kids to come to school and, you know, increase retention rates and like decrease discipline issues. So that's always been in the forefront of who I am. And, you know, just knowing that I now have a platform where I'm able to reach more people and not just the, the, not just the people who are in my school or in my class or in my school district. I have the eyes and the ears of a lot of people in America right now. And, you know, I do have that power of influence. And so I just thought this was a great way for me to be able to branch off and focus on my own brand and what it is. It's like a community engagement um, organization where we're trying to provide, you know, community activities and events like for youth that help to bring them closer to other professionals that we have within our community so they can start building those relationships at a young age and really learning how to network because not only is education you know the key and the foundation to your success but now that you have all this education how are you going to use it like who do you have within your circle that you can actually rely on and bounce these ideas off of because people go to school all day long and they come out and they have a degree and they can't do nothing with it because they didn't learn how to socialize with the right people that can give them opportunities to be successful and so that's really the basis of you know, the, the driving force behind our organization is just building those strong relationships between leaders and the youth, and then also being able to provide, you know, resources, you know, for the youth and resources for not only just for them, but for their families to help make sure that they retain their success throughout the school year. That's dope. Yeah. I like that. You know what I'm saying? I say definitely, you know, keep your ear to the community and look out for the youth. I like yeah, so I mean, the web website's up, so y'all can go to makemeaningfulchange.org, you know, to stay up with it, and we're going to be posting some events real soon. Sweet, sweet. So, allow, I do have one more question. So, now with everything, you know, on the way it's gone, first year's under your belt, um, 
how hard is it now for you to fly under the radar kind of like still you know enjoy the things that you've been able to enjoy before without so many people like like just fanning out when they see you with stuff like that <laughs> so it's it's crazy like it's it's difficult but at the same time I'm real low key so I don't go out and announce hey this is who I am this is what I do I still like to be the same person that I've always been, which is somebody who is kind and good to the core. I still like to treat people. I like to treat everyone with the same amount of respect because you never know who someone else is. Um, people do recognize me. And a lot of times it's the name, but people will recognize me out in public, especially just after I work the game and I'm, and I'm somewhere still in the city. I'm very recognizable, but you know, Everybody wants to be able to have a piece and to be able to have a conversation and be able to say that they shared a moment with you. And you just really have to honor that with people, you know, and try and, you know, at the same time, being able to keep your sanity while you're doing it. But <laughs> I, I like to keep my interaction short and sweet. You always acknowledge somebody, but then, you know, don't be afraid to say, hey, you know, I really got to go so that they don't take up too much of your time. I appreciate your time today. Once again, Ms. Sharka, yeah. I appreciate you. Thank you for uh, taking the time out of the interview with me. And is there any way you want to leave any information for people to find you, like on uh, Instagram or any of the social platforms you're on? Yeah, my Instagram is just my first and last name at uh, Maya Shaka. And it's the same thing. So, you know, my name's Facebook, but Instagram's on there. The person who probably may answer most of my DMs might be Jalen, who's my publicist. And that's the JB agency. That's her Instagram. But yeah. Look out for MMC, MakeMeaningfulChange.org. And yeah, there we go. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Ms. Shaka. Definitely uh, congratulations on the season that passed and, congrats, and, you know, good luck on the upcoming season. Once again, everyone, you know who it is. It's your favorite cousin, Bandicoot Truth Podcast. Y'all out. Oh.